What's up? This is Elliot Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. Today I'm joined by... Hey, it's Amy Rose Spiegel, Talk House Music's Editor-in-Chief. This week's episode is our final from South by Southwest. Now, today's show features a twofer, Amy Rose. First up, we've got two of the hottest bands out of South London's indie scene, Shame and Goat Girl. After that, a dance hall summit between one of the biggest names in the game, Conscience, and hot newcomer, Bad Gal. Besides being your loyal host here at TalkHouse Podcast, I also curate and host Pitchfork Radio. Pitchfork Radio was down at South by Southwest broadcasting live for a few days. And when I saw that Shame and Goat Girl were going to be in the same American city that I was at the same time, I absolutely had to have them on the show. Now, Shame is totally awesome, so much so that I actually brought my suitcase to see them on my way <laughs> to the airport out of Austin. Yes. And it was totally worth it. Totally. This band is known for insane live shows. They made their name through these rowdy, full-on confrontational performances. The band is super political. They're vocally anti-Brexit. They have a video for their song Visa Vulture, including footage of Theresa May at her most vitriolic. So when frontman Charlie Steen came into our studio to record this talk, I did not know what to expect. Luckily, it was an incredibly thoughtful and perceptive young rock star. Let's listen to One Rizla, which is off of Songs of Praise, their album, which came out in early January. And a quick note, Rizla is the most popular brand of rolling paper in the UK. I never knew. Life's fine if you get what you need. You're confused and lost with grace. And I won't, I won't say please. At least not yet. Well, I'm not much to look at. I fucking love that track. Uh, on this record, I hear Gang of Four, I hear The Fall, and I'll tell you, another band that reminds me of The Fall is Goat Girl, for two reasons. One, yeah, they're slightly influenced by the band, but two, the way I first heard of them was through Fred Perry's rad subculture site. Marky e. Smith did an interview where he listed what he's listening to, and Goat Girl's song Country Sleaze was on the list. I checked them out, and it turns out this is the hot new band from Rough Trade Records, the label that brought us the Smiths, the Strokes, the Libertines. Go Girl is an all-female band. They've been friends since they were kids, been playing music together since 15. It's comprised of singer Claudie Cream, guitarist L.E.D., bassist Naima Jelly, and Rosie Bones on the drums. Joining us were Claudie and L.E.D., and then, after yelling answers from the audience for a while, Rosie Bones wanders on stage. Goat Girl's debut LP is dark, it's funny, it's political, it's sexual. It, it's really imbued with this sort of most libertines-y combination of joie de vivre and ennui. Oui, oui. <laughs> That's good. Check out my favorite track from their self-titled debut. This is called The Man. I love it. In this podcast, Goat Girl and Shame cover the young London rock scene from where they hang out to the changing gig economy due to gentrification. They get into the super difficult reality of maintaining mental health on tour. They also address sexism and sexual violence in the indie scene and Goat Girl's pushback against the male-dominated music industry. Yeah, they speak about some very powerful things here. They also manage to take in pill-popping to techno. Dodgy home tattooing. Granny spinning boiler room sets. Goat Girl hitting up German sex clubs. Charlie recording naked under a bedsheet. And so much more. Should we roll it? Let's do it. Hello, Clotty. Hello, Hello LED. <laughs> it's weird to see you guys in America. I know, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, how it's are you like finding it? It's like a bit it? of home. Yeah, is it like weird? like a foreign land. 
I know. It's just, it's everything. I think we're just getting like overly excited about things that like aren't actually that exciting. We went to the supermarket today. It was like, wow, look at that bag of rice. And like all these things are just massive. It's like, I know. I I guess it's still like romanticized. I'm still finding that I'm like talking to (laughs) Americans about like the size of like, you know, soda drinks when you buy them in a fast food place. I think everyone's a bit over it. When you see your first Twinkie, it's a pretty special moment though. So holding your first born child. um, What was it? Campbell's soup, tomato soup. Twinkie bars. Yeah, well, yeah, you wanted to bring over carrots, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. no. But my American mum had already packaged carrots. Is, Amer- is, that, is that like a euphemism or is that like actually... Like, <laughs> do you actually have an American mum? No, as in like the people we're staying with. They're, oh. like, they're now our parents. They're very nice. Oh, very cute. nice people. But, um, they're really sweet. She made us like a little packed lunch. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love it when that happens. Yeah, we turn, where we're staying, we, ha- we have like another American mum and we turned up and it was like chicken and potato soup. Really? And oh, I was wow. like, yeah, I know. That's it was nice. amazing. You know, where are you staying? Oh, we're staying like two miles away. So last year when we, kept, when we came here, we were on that like legal loophole where we could do it on an Esther. But we had no money. We were completely skinned. So mm. we flew to Houston to save cash on flying to Austin. And that was when we found ourselves like, under the highway with all those crackheads and the guns. And we had all of our gear. We had to Just hide in a, Austin. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Houston. And then we had to hide in a McDonald's because it was a no-gun zone. Oh, good. And then we ended up getting an Uber from Houston to Austin. And that was our first experience. Wait, wasn't this recently? No, that was last, oh, that was year. last year. Oh. Yeah, now we drove from Mesa, Arizona to Austin, which was a thousand miles. Freaking so it's out. still that. But yeah, last year when we turned up, it was through my dad's best mate's sister's husband's friend. We managed to get a free house, which we're staying wow. in now. That's very good. We owe her our life, man. How have you found playing to the American crowds? Um, good. Kind of all right. I don't know. I think at Good South by there's a lot of like industry crowd as well. So it's like a lot of static yeah. Yeah. people. You but have to I tell think, like the people from the industry. Yeah, but to be fair, we have that all the time anyway. Yeah, <laughs> people don't dance at it. our gigs. Like, I mean, at the windmill, like obviously you get your friends coming down. And it's just like why we play there so much is because it's like self-gratifying kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, everyone's yeah. going crazy. But. Every once in a while you've got to, you know, you've got to give give yourself a little hit yeah. of the good stuff. Like it's also action. like a little bubble though. So it's good to get like a reality check. Yeah, be like thrown into somewhere where people don't know you. Do you yeah, know what I mean? completely. It's a met like yeah. I think when you come go to places and and you've got to like start again, there's something like quite exciting about that. Yeah. I don't think like you know being at the windmill is particularly like you have it set in concrete, but. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like yeah, for for anyone who's listening and doesn't know, the windmill uh, <laughs> is a pub in Brixton, and it's like the cultural alleyway of London, I guess. Yeah. yeah. For us anyway. For us, and when we started, so I've known I've known Lottie or Clottie <laughs> since we were since we were seventeen. We did drama together. We did indeed. I don't think we were ever in a drama group together, though. We were never in a drama we group together. We never acted together. <laughs> no, we, we, we never we never performed <laughs> until until a few months down the line, and I was sent Goat Girls SoundCloud. Yeah. From our dear friend Emilio Martin. That was what we started playing on a night called Chimney Shitters, and that was when. We put you guys on, and then from there it kind of blossomed. Yeah, I guess. Was that was just... like one of our first shows at Wimble, I think. Was yeah. the Chimney Show as well. Um, did, did, you guys have your, did you guys have a night there ever? Or did you just play there? No, Headlines. I don't think we've ever put a night on there, actually. At what? At, at We put nights on no, like Ivy House. we didn't. We put nights on at the Montague. Oh, yeah, Montague. man, the Montague. Yeah, that's a sad... Hell. We missed out on all... I've heard, I've seen, so the Montague is another pub which is in <laughs> Queens Road, Peckham. And um, it was like a small, I never, I only really went, I didn't really like drinking there when, it, when there wasn't a gig on. It was to be fair, it's kind of like a little bit depressing. It's really dark. Yeah. And all the dead animals on the wall and stuff. Yeah, and they don't really have any good beers either. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess they don't really have like a house promoters. People just like constantly put gigs on there. But yeah. that's what makes it good. I think if that didn't exist, it would be kind of still quite bougie. Yeah. Like, it's kind of quite expensive to drink there and shit. But like, yeah, I know. That's what I always thought. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. And yeah. like, they have like roast dinners, like 15 quid. Yeah, I knew but then I think it's just going to be turned into like exactly that, and not even like the music now. It's just yeah. like someone's yeah. bought it. And... So this, this, uh, so the Montague was a pub in in Southeast London. It was where Go. We never actually played there, but Go Go. No, really? we never, we never did. I know you guys played there loads. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, it was like an independent venue, and it's recently been <coughs> the stage has been torn down with new management. Yeah. And they made a statement recently saying no moshing is allowed. Is that real? I thought yeah, someone had real. made that up. Saying what? Like, no moshing is allowed. Really? Yeah, all, all of that shit. So sad. Yeah, I saw Liam post that from Mello. Um, yeah, that's where I, yeah, that's where I saw it. I thought he was just joking. Oh, maybe that was a joke. Because he then <laughs> mentioned his name, like, don't act like this 
man or ever, which is him. Oh, maybe like, that was, maybe I, I just took it too seriously. <laughs> we we played we played this show in a place called like Fayetteville, which I can't I can't remember what state it was in, but it's like a college yeah. town. We played it with Proto Marta, oh, right. and at the gig it was like you know like people were like you know moving around, and the security guy kicked four people out, and I was like, really? what are you doing? And he was like, you can't march here, and I was like, we can't move. Like you know, well, you yeah. can't help but like be sharp, like. And I, and I was just, and I was like, I get that it should always be like gentle in a way. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like no one can get hurt, but people will always tend to like help each other up at gigs like that. Yeah, I think. Like, yeah, I think that's kind of part of it. it. Like yeah, everyone kind of comes together in that kind of thing. Yeah, so. I think as long as you make it kind of clear as well, because like especially like I don't know from from what from the experience like noticing like playing shows and stuff like that when mm. what the sort of demographic who will like mosh at like a guitar, like post-punk, guitar-heavy, whatever gig, will mainly be sort of like like men, older men taking out this yeah. aggression. And there have been a lot of like cases, you know, where I've seen where people have been like, you know, like over, you know, like abused kind of thing, like yeah, hit yeah, yeah. really hard. And that shouldn't be tolerated at all. No. But as long as it's kept under control and it's like not, you know, like any discrimination or aggression or abuse isn't tolerated. Then you know I don't I don't see the problem with it. And like there was we did this festival called Laneways in Australia, and they had this app for all the festivals where if you felt you're intimidated, you sent a pin and a security guard would be sent to your exact location. Really good. And I was like, you know, when you hear about those things, and it's like, why has that never been? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Why? When now are you kind of hearing about that? Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time it is kind of like a testosterone-filled space as well. Like. I feel like unwelcomed as a woman. Yeah. Like, I don't know though. I think yeah, you kind of just have to have like the right balance somehow, um, mm. and just like the right respect for each other, which I think a lot of people do have. But then also yeah, you go to those gigs. I know I remember going to like a full gig back in the day with Naima, and like we were right at the front, like in the middle kind of thing, like perfect space. And then like the rest of the crowd was just like old middle aged like kind of like middle aged men or whatever. Just like these girls don't deserve to be here. Like shove them out, kind of thing. And it's yeah. just like a lot of the time. It's like kind of like I don't know, maybe sort of like anti female a little bit. Well, yeah, it's it's they're they're almost like claiming this space for their for mm. their own, and it's as if they can do anything that they want. Like when yeah. we do we when we did that gig at the Hundred Club, that was when like um of like a very close friend of ours came to us and said that they were groped in the crowd. Really? And we then came to realize, you know, this was probably just the tip of the iceberg that we needed to melt because yeah. this is a person who's very close to us and we know very well. Yeah. And if she's like coming and speaking to us about this and how but many other like people... Most girls have had those experiences, yeah. I think, at gigs. Yeah. Like definitely, like every woman that I can think of has definitely been like touched up. Yeah. Whether it's like at a club or a gig or whatever, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not on, but I think, I don't know, there are things that are like coming out where it's saying we're not going to tolerate it anymore. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's now becoming more comfortable to be like talked about and like people feel like there's a safe space for them to like say what's happened kind of thing. Yeah, like, I think Me Too and like all that kind of like movements are happening now. Yeah, like uh, when yeah. Girls Against came out, who were like four, like it start with four like individual girls who from like all over the UK, I think it's like Scotland, Manchester, London, and another place. And they were all groped at a gig, and I think the, I think one of them was peace, like a peace gig, know, really? and they came out and came together and formed this group. And since then, you know, they've yeah, been working with like yeah, festivals yeah, over the UK. When we saw that, like when we saw about that app, we just had no idea, you know, where you can just send a pin and someone is sent to you. We had no yeah. idea why that why that isn't. Where created. does that exist? Like everywhere. In La in Laneways Festival, it was a thing, and then oh, when yeah. we when we've been coming across in America. In Australia, yeah. I've been saying it to the I was saying it to the promoters, and there was only one venue we went to where they had that, and that was in Nashville. Um, and it was if you went to the toilet, if you went to the toilet, there was like a number or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a similar thing. But it's not like an, it's not as easy as an app sending mm, like your exact yeah. location. Yeah, but venues should take like responsibility for that as much as the band. Do you know what I mean? I think it should yeah. be like a yeah, real definitely. important issue that every venue should like completely abide by thing like of like having to have that do yeah. you know what I mean I think, yeah it's crazy that it should just be exist. a given that people won't tolerate that do you know yeah. what I mean but it's not because you're human it's like something that we have to talk about which is kind of disgusting yeah mm. in a and way. It's, it's disgusting the fact that you know 2018 like this has probably been around since the birth of pop culture and yeah. like the 1960s and obviously before that but in the in the in the environment of a, like a live gig like a like, which we're just talking about like obviously in every other aspect of environments that exists. But uh, yeah, I don't know why it's taken this long to sort of come about and sort of like understand and try and like distinguish, not distinguish, like 
Yeah. Ex extinguish is what I mean. But yeah, it's a lot of fucked up shit goes on. It's horrible. I think it's probably because like predominantly bands were male and like mm. the fangirl thing was like massive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And now it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's got like a big part to play. Mm. Well, I mean, the Rolling Stones used to pay models to stand at the front <laughs> of their gigs so that the photographers could take pictures. So it yeah. create this whole image of like a girl wanting a guy. That was why yeah, when I yeah, watched yeah. the fucking man video, that was such a sick idea. <laughs> yeah. Who came up with Thank that? Thank you. I think it was... It was the Wade brothers, CC yeah, Wade. Yeah, CC Wade. We can't, so we can't take credit for that, really. Can't. Nah, we can't. <laughs> and the man, yeah, the man, the man is the uh, the amazing new single by Go Girl, yeah, leading up to the album. What's what's the concept? Um, well, the concept of the video. Yeah. I think it was just to like explore that sort of gender displacement. I mean, you don't really get that kind of like culture of fandom of like men kind of like running after women kind of thing like, yeah like hysterically crying or something i think that's always depicted as like female kind of culture so it's kind of like why can't this happen for men as well yeah and also like they i don't know it was quite interesting they were like all put in a room and had to like scream and cry like endlessly for like hours yeah. and then like rosie was saying that like a load of guys were coming up to her afterwards just like that was literally the most therapeutic, like relieving thing. It's like, yeah, guys aren't really allowed to like express these emotions. So it's really, like, kind of an interesting social experiment at the same time. It's like, it was like it was like those beat. It was like you know playing on those Beatles videos that you saw where they're yeah, like hiding I mean, in like the telephone. Like the parody, I, was, I watched like Austin Powers and then like yeah. on the other day, and it was that whole thing of like you know like hiding in the telephone box and doing all these disguises yeah. with everyone. And that like I kind of forgot that that was like like symbolic of when the Beatles and those sort of like pop boy bands were around, like all the women chasing after them yeah. and stuff. So I and I wonder how much of that was real and how much was fabricated. Yeah. And how mm. much was like from a male perspective. I mean, it was probably all from a male perspective because yeah. journalists and writers tend to be male. Yeah, well... So I mean, it's quite like interesting. And the reality of it is these women don't actually want to have sex with them and that's just what they presume. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the idea of a groupie, you're right, it isn't a male-like terminology. Yeah. No, it isn't used towards men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have, like, a positive outlook of it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a groupie, you're just, like, seeing yeah, someone that like sleeps around kind of lame with, like, famous thing. people. It's when really it's, like, quite a pure, nice thing. It's just, like, a love. Yeah, an appreciation. Music. Do you know what I mean? It's got nothing to do with sex or, like, you know. Yeah. Or, like, it shouldn't wanting. have anyway. I guess it shouldn't fall down onto that. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think definitely, like, bands are becoming a lot more aware and, like, you know, mm. it's, it's weird because, you know, at the gigs that we would do at the Windmill and in London, like, you know so many people and you feel like you're in a more, like, you feel like you're in a community more than just yeah. a venue. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, when you do go to these places in, like, you know, America or Europe or whatever and you don't know anyone in the crowd and you almost get, like, a better insight into sort of, like, what, what you know, yeah, what can actually true. be happening because mm. you're sort of detached from you know, sentimental value. Yeah, I guess you don't... Yeah, when you're at the women, it's like your friends, you're not going to, like, expect that they'll, like, be doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, you don't but expect like, them to grope you because, like, we know them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, how do you find, like, playing to people that you just, like, completely have no, like, I don't know, relationship with? I find it way easier than playing to anyone I know. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. when... I think... I don't know if you guys feel this as well, like... Whenever we play London, that's always the most nervous I'll get before any show. Same, it's mm. like the end of the tour, like that yeah. big gig where like all your friends and family come. And it's yeah. like the expectation of like, oh, they, they must have grown over this tour. They must have been, they must get so much better after like practicing it day in, day out. And it's just like, I feel like at the end of the tour, we're just awful. We're just like so tired and like Yeah, drained. we have like nervous breakdowns. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah we like cry at the end of the tour. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I need, I, I always do, you know, I, 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 I sort of, and this might say more about me than anything else, but like, I just have to go on like Netflix and just watch like the saddest film possible at times. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I watch Schindler's List like a sort of like dangerous amount of times because it's like, you know, you've got that three and a half hours of pure like, like crying and just express like yeah, you know yeah. just emotional draining mm. i feel like when you when you come back off tour it's almost like you know you're just on a complete come down because it's that's yeah. all of like the sleep that you lost and all the food that you didn't eat and all of the constant stress it's like it's yeah and it's also like adrenaline that you get before every yeah. gig yeah and that's like it's also a come down from that yeah. from like such high energy levels yeah so you have to go into like survival mode almost when yeah. you when you do all these shows because otherwise you're just. I don't know. Be... Yeah, but there's a point that you reach. I think it always for me happens in Manchester, so I never go out of Manchester. <laughs> so it's always like midway. 
but it's like you get to this point I don't know I just got to this point of like I actually like can't even say hello to someone like I feel like so physically and emotionally drained and like like it really psychologically affects you what it does for me yeah. anyway and yeah. like I don't know I, I mean, we can we talk about this, but say it thinking that we like do really long tours. We only do like two week tours. You guys are like, yeah, I can't imagine all what the it's time. Like for you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I started. Well, that was when in Jersey. So last year we did all those, you know, like fucking like all those festivals and like, 150 gigs and 47 festivals and like did the album and stuff. And then towards the end, we were in Germany in December, and that was when I was just like, you know, like staring out of a window at like. Mm you know, industrial landscape yeah. with like, you know, <laughs> like some weird type of music playing. And that was when I started having panic attacks and then we really? had to like leave because I just got so, because I think this is, you know, I don't know whether it's to do with like being myself or like being a man or what, whatever. And I'm not going to like blame any responsibilities on any of that, but sort of like repressing these things mm. and emotions and anxieties until it sort of builds up. I think everyone does that. Yeah. Yeah, I think mental health isn't, like, talked about enough. Yeah. Especially, like, with music. Yeah. Because it's kind of like a weird reality to live in because you're, like, so busy and then you've got, like, months where you're kind of, like, it feels like you're unemployed. Mm. And that's quite, like, a weird switch to go to. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, it's great because, you know, it's the best job in the world, but it's also quite strange and can have yeah. like a weird effect on mm. you like mentally it seems like there's no room for moderation yeah yeah none you know you're either just like i don't know in like paris playing a show like you know going out and drinking at all these bars you've never been before or you're just sat in a van staring at a wall yeah. for eight hours you know with just like nothing out of the window yeah and um when when that happened i was just so like because my mum my mom gets panic attacks as well and it has anxiety and stuff. And then, and then after that happened, I knew everyone gets different symptoms if you have a panic attack. Yeah. So I have, like, my, my hands uh, uh, go... I don't have any, um, what's it called? They go into my bones kind of thing, so I need to put something in between them so otherwise oh, it will, like, I bruise or, like, can really? break something. Yeah, yeah, because my mum does it with her chest, so she always needs something, like, if she does it, because it's, like, bruise or break your, or break your ribs. Yeah. And so, but then once I knew that, once I knew what happens, like first, like I had this. So over summer, that was when I was I couldn't digest anything, and there were some days where I'd throw up 17 times in a day, Whoa. and like, and this happened for like a month, and then it started happening. Then I didn't, re- you know, I was just kind of dismissed it as like oh, I'm drinking too much, I'm you know going yeah. out, mm-hmm. I'm not eating properly, and then I kind of realised that that's what happens before. You know, that's like your body showing you that. Wait, is it yeah. like before you go on tour that? that no, no, no. It was happening on tour, so I'd be like throwing really up loads. Early. You know, like throwing up in a corner, like crying, yeah. and then a promoter comes up to you and like pokes you in the chest and goes, "Go on stage, go on stage." So and um, yeah, and but then after that, we kind of came back and I just rested. And now on this tour, the thing that I learned from that, like we've been away for like seven weeks now in Australia and America, mm. is I don't really like I don't drink that much now, and I don't really like go out and party as much as we. You know, when I think like when everyone goes on tour for the first time or goes on these things, you want to just like do it, do it, do it, do yeah. it. You know, first time in this city, I want to go out and like have the best mm. night of my life, like every night. Yeah. But you kind of feel like I don't know. I almost feel obliged to drink before a gig in a way, just to like relax myself. I feel like if I'm completely sober, I actually just like do like performances like way worse of like really paying too much attention. It's more like how I play the guitar kind yeah. of thing. Like I'll wait, yeah, I'll make way, way more mistakes, work. and like I guess that doesn't really matter, but. For me, I just, like, find comfort in just, like, having a little bit of something before. Like, but then, yeah, it's kind of sad that you, like, have to rely on that. Like, it, I mean, everyone, like, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's, it's, like, a story that I hear over and over again of when you start playing in a band, you start playing live, you get really fucking drunk. Yeah. Did you guys used to do that? We used yeah. to get really drunk, actually. Yeah. yeah, like, to the <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> I think I think back on it now, and it was, I mean, like, it's funny, but it's also just, like, you can't keep that up for, like... And that's not a day. It's kind it's of soul destroying. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> being an alcoholic. But, <laughs> but that's that, that's the thing about like, and I've been saying, you know, I've been saying this recently. From all these bands who we meet, who like tour nonstop, seems to see the two ways you go. Like one, you take a load of drugs and drink a lot and implode, or yeah. you get clean and become vegans and health freaks. Yeah. Yeah. There's the other alternative option where you can do both. I think I'm in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I know, but there's no the room for moderation here, like you've got to go one way or the other. And but that's commit. like you know, like Primal Scream to Primal Clean, like all yeah. those sort of bands who like also did it, and now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we'll get there. I mean, we're still quite early with it all, so. 
I think alcohol's so funny though because it's like it's accepted everywhere. It's really accepted and it's like a really slow burner. So like it's not like when you take drugs and you wake up and you're like fuck, I feel so shit today. Yeah. But if you keep doing it, it's like really subtle. I and think, it would like yeah. it slowly just, like crushes me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I just hate drinking in America. So in that way it's kind of dangerous. Yeah. I don't know. I feel I feel in America it's like, you know, like with the general aesthetic of this country it's like all about being competitive so when you go out yeah. drinking with an american it's like okay we're gonna get like free slam of tequila like we're gonna do like four bud lights and then we're gonna like down bud a bottle of jaeger that. yeah i know i'm just yeah i mean yeah you can't trust these americans but um but so so it's kind of like it's that whole different thing of like you know i don't want to drink to like be more drunk than you yeah. Or see if you're a lightweight. I just want to drink because you know. I don't think like, I've ever experienced that where someone's like trying to compete with me. Oh gosh. Yeah, no, spend, 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 I mean, yeah, we've been one every more day, week so. in America. Yeah, yeah. Meet one more person. Go to one. I think bar. I'd win. I set the challenge. Yeah, set, set the challenge. <laughs> You've got to buy me the drinks though. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're British, so we get bought drinks automatically. Yeah, yeah. Because of our accents. Yeah, I know. It's amazing when you go to. I hate it when we first went to New York. I always love like coming to it, you know, like I love it when you go to America and you're like, okay, sweet, like this is a one shot, one time being British, like has a slight novelty. Mm. And then, but you can't go to a place like New York and you speak and you expect like, you know, free drinks and like a, you know, like a cheers in the yeah. bar and stuff mm. like that, but it's all accepted. And then when you go to places like Nashville, Tennessee and like Oklahoma, you're kind of like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> But they hate you, I swear, don't they? Because you're British. No, we, I, <laughs> I feel like Americans it. love. I don't know if it's just the accent. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. It, I mean, we 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 had some weird times, but we had isn't some it? I swear, someone said that it was just more for men, though. It's like the appeal of like a male British accent. Like I don't know if they. Well, like the James Bond character. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's so <laughs> many like classic characters that it's like kind of being yeah. coined towards. James Bond is such a fucking weirdo. I was thinking that he's so boring. <laughs> like, I hate the, all of those new like that. I just hate Daniel Craig. To be fair, I haven't so really. Yeah. Much. I think I watched one James Bond film. Sorry, he's just got like a smug face, hasn't he? He just looks like you know, like like an awful, awful, awful person. Yeah. yeah. Dog Dog is my favourite show because it's so like British and the B, like the BBC is like renowned for having the lowest budget. So I love it whenever they go in the TARDIS, they'll mysteriously end up on a different planet that just looks like a beach in Devon. Yeah. You can tell they've always got like a third. Do you remember that one episode when we were kids? I remember it so well. And the whole the scathing, there was the gas masks, oh. which the oh, budget was probably jelly. four pounds. And then there was like one where it was a doll and it would just like zoom in on the doll, just like sitting on a chair <laughs> with like scare music. And I was like, for, you know, if you can make like an award-winning show for like 30 yeah. quid per episode, you know, yeah, doing something right. Far, the, I think that is actually my favourite theme tune of all time. Yeah. yeah Credit yeah, yeah, yeah. to, yeah. do you know Dido Dubja? <laughs> no. She's like the girl, the woman that like created it. And really? Like um, this BBC Radiophonic workshop. It's like how they started making like electronic music back in the day in England. Oh shit! The grandmother of um, the grandmother of electronic music. Yeah, she's Is like that one her name? of them. Or the um, mother, the mother. Yeah, yeah and she did a boiler room recently. <laughs> She's definitely not alive. Oh, sure. is she? <laughs> I don't know. I don't That's, think she's alive. I saw this video on Facebook. I really cannot imagine like a hundred-year-old granny like doing the boiler room stuff. I don't know. I saw I saw like a Facebook video of like oh, of like the, the, the like labelled as the grandmother of electronic music. I mean, she could be, she like know. lives in Cornwall or something and has like fucking like a thousand decks but and stuff like that. To, like, there's a really room. there's a really good documentary about her. Um, yeah, females aren't given enough credit for like electronic music. They were like definite pioneers of it. Yeah, like, I, didn't, women. Like, I didn't really think sure. about like the Doctor Who theme tune being like one of those electronic oh, it's bangers. So good, <laughs> so good. I love it. Oh, I hate, but I remember the first like because like I, I hate. Oh no, electronic music isn't like techno, is it? You know, it could be like experimental kind of. I don't know. I, don't well, know. I remember. I remember. It doesn't just, have to just be techno. That was like all. That was like all. All of like our mates just love just like taking pills and going to like village underground. And yeah. I remember doing that with them once, and I was just listening to a snare for like half an hour, and then occasionally a hi hat. Aggressive. And I was like, this is yeah. the worst yeah, no, place. You can in get the good world. techno. You can get like kind of. Weird, go to Berlin. Berghain. <laughs> Apparently, you're on the guest list. I, I didn't go to Berghain. I Yeah, we, we went to Berlin, and it was like in like on the border of my nervous breakdown. Oh. And I was just and I was just like. And you went to Berghain. No, I no, didn't go. I, I was I was with I was with Nicola, like my ex girlfriend, and we mm. just like you know just kind of saw. But like Eddie went. Eddie, the guitarist in our band, spent two days there. And oh, I remember like, we like you know we like walked around Berlin and like. 
uh, you know, had, you know, went for dinner, whatever, and then woke up the next morning. And I woke up two attacks from Eddie at 10 a.m. being like, hey, you want to come to Berkheim? I got some speed. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Me and Rosie recently went to Berlin. We went to this place called Kit Kat. Oh, really? It's kind of a sex club. I mean, it's kind, like... Kind of? I mean, yeah, well, people are having sex around the outskirts of it. On the outskirts? Me and Rosie, like, I don't know. Actually, no, to be fair, like, when we got the, there, it's the quite... the outskirts, like the shadows. Is everyone just in, like, in the kind of corners? But me and, I don't know, at the point that we were at, we were there quite early, and, like, there was just one couple having sex. <laughs> me and Rosie were just so sober. We were just, like, sat watching them like no one else was. <laughs> you were the peeping dogs. We were just, like, creepy <laughs> doggers. Like, <laughs> Did you, like, why were you in Berlin just on holiday? Oh, no, we went on, like, a promo tour, me and oh, Rosie. Oh, how was that? Yeah, it was all right. Actually, no, it was really good because we got, like, free meals yeah, all the time yeah, yeah. and, like, really nice, like, reps that kind of took... Oh, my God. But there was one where we were, like, in Brussels and we just got booked this, like, fancy-ass hotel. And then me and Rosie were just, like, really hungry and we just saw that there was, like, a room, room service. service. Oh. And so we just... I mean, it was so expensive. We were like, well, it's going to be paid from these people. All right, cool. And so, um, yeah, we just ordered so much. It came to, like, a ridiculous amount. Oh, the bougiest. It was like salmon salad and like, what was yours? Like a potato sort of sesame seed, chicken katsu curry. Are you guys, are you, are you guys nervous about the album coming out? <laughs> oh no, I really, we've, been, we've been writing Come Rosie over for the, for, the, for the food discussion. Are you guys yeah, nervous like, about the album coming out? Yes, very, um, very excited. I think it's more just like, we can't wait for it to come out because we've had these songs since like 15 yeah. or something and we've been playing like that's the only kind of stuff we play and so like for people to actually hear it in the context of like recording it's like quite exciting I think we were yeah. saying this yesterday how like you know when me, Lloyd and Rosie were speaking how you guys did that album in like one day yeah yeah we tracked yeah. it in one well, day well kind of we tracked it in one day we like I mean we did it over like a week and a bit two weeks maybe yeah but we but did I was just like adding little bits yeah I lots, heard yeah. I heard you had the one day where you recorded the whole album and then spent two weeks writing the interludes yeah. No, well, we, no, we, we had and... one day and then we had, yeah, the rest of the two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the two weeks, like, doing, like, the add-ons. But then um, we had one day, like, a few months later, where we did the interludes. Yeah. And that was um, quite an interesting experience, really, wasn't it? Where um, did you guys record? Where we recorded in Wales. And, like, in really? This, in, yeah, we, yeah we, went to, we went to a studio called Rockfields. And it was, like, rehab. You're in the middle of nowhere. You've got no oh, phone service. Like I don't that. know if I'd like that. I'd like that. Well, I, I literally, I still have dreams about going back to that place. Did like, you enjoy it, was, it? it was the best. It was like one of the ten yeah. best days of my life. Oh. Because you have like no phone signal. You can't. I only yeah. went into town once because it's a mile and a half walk. So you don't see anyone else apart from the people you're recording with. And the thing, the reason we wanted to go there was one, so we wouldn't be yet distracted from anything in London yeah. and or like a major city. And two, because if you're in a residential studio, it's 24 hours. So we could be like, yeah, you know, still yeah. up at like three in the morning watching Alan That's kind of like when it creates the best kind of sound of music as well. It's like when it's like really late at night. Well, you could be like recording. With you, could, you could go 24 hours every yeah, day. Yeah, that's you amazing. That. I think that's like the, what we had with Dan Carey as well. He just like loved the moments that he captured at like those hours. Yeah, yeah that, Dan's He'd great. He'd put like strobes Very on relaxed. and like, <laughs> like try and create like an atmosphere and put like a smoke machine on. That's he had, like, smoke machine noises in one of the interviews <laughs> that's how it, because that's he how tried to, like, starts. make yeah, it, like, yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, sick. Well, I, yeah, I did... Because I did all my vocals in the bedroom. And, really? um, yeah, everyone else had, like, the studio, which was just, like, a constant... Everything was recorded to a click. So every time you go slightly near there, you just hear that, like, tick, 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 and uh, I just, like, yeah. turn around and walk back. And mm -hmm. me and Dan Fo, the other producer, just did... We just put, like, a bed sheet over my head. And then we had like a mic. That's really cool. Yeah, I and like I, we did do, you know, like I did like on some songs, it was just like take off my clothes and stuff like that because it got very sweaty. Not, not, <laughs> not in any other way than just because I was really, really hot and tired. Yeah. But then it's we had like. About. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, recording, recording that album was so much fun. Yeah. I definitely, when, when we did it, I definitely wanted it to be like, like a thing, like a kind of like period of time where you like devote it all to that one thing not like just having because we recorded with loads of other people we didn't want to just like kind of like collect all these like kind of recordings we had already it's like making kind of one solid thing that yeah. has like kind of sense of like continuity and like yeah that's the exact thing and that's yeah. with someone like you know like dan Carey as like a producer he yeah. has that like sound to Definitely. them like yeah. yeah and it's like even if people don't like it like i have such like warm feelings about it at that time like because it just brings me back to like the yeah. time of recording it and like it makes me yeah. just like feel really happy what's your individual favorite songs on your album 
I really like Bone. That's got to be mm. maybe number one. Did you write it? I like, I don't care. No, Lottie writes all songs. <laughs> oh, really? Um, all of them? Well, we write our Puffin own parts. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Lottie yeah. The like, bass. writes the songs, the, the lyrics. Clotty, actually. Oh, that's cool. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I like, Bone's I don't care, favorite. number one. I like the B side. Mm-hmm. Like way more than the A side. What screen? Wait, what? Of the album. Oh, of the album. Yeah. Oh, the B-side. oh you. Oh, you meant like the final thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I think my favorite is um, the man with no heart or brain. <laughs> I love that. Is that an song. interlude? I've literally I've noticed <laughs> no, it's no. a. Well, actually, if I was going to say a favorite song, I'd say all the interludes because <laughs> I actually wrote them. <laughs> How, how did you write them? Put on a put on a strobe and a fog machine. Well, I yeah, I just I was trying to teach myself piano for like a year, um, and I just had just things that I just made up, and then we just kind of had this day and um, put the smoke machine on, put the strobes on, and then um, this, yeah, these songs Rosie like, plays like because I live with Rosie, and this is like what I wake up to, what I go to sleep with, just like hearing her downstairs underneath me, like her honky tonk <laughs> piano well, yeah, playing like. That, that was... <laughs> <laughs> Rosie, Rosie's bed God, was just where, these, Rosie's please. bed was when Charlie, like Charlie, yeah. our drummer, got his, got his oh, only yeah. tattoo. Oh, yeah. yeah, his mum got involved, didn't it? My mum, yeah, because, it, because you were spitting on it and stuff like that, like, <laughs> and you just done, you done Louis, you done Louis O'Brien. I actually forgot that I, I actually forgot that I was you spitting d- on it. You done. My favorite bit was Louis, Louis O'Brien wanted. What did he? He wanted. He, he wanted boy. boy. And you did a B and an O over his nipple and said, "I can't be asked." <laughs> And walked off. So he's walking around with B.O. And this is like the guitarist. It's like, it's like, it's like a B.O. It's like, like dots. Like, it's like dots that could, you can maybe like, maybe kind of see B.O. within it if you know what it was. Yeah, but, that, that, um, was, that was one of the best. That was a party we had like, when, that was our, that was our, the night of our I saw Charlie's tattoo yesterday and I was like, it actually looks pretty good. You know? I know, I was surprised. I, kind I was of, worried about that party. I kind of wanted something to get infected and to learn from his mistakes, but. Very good. Right, I think we're. I think we're going to have to hit the road now and do Just more shows up. and make make Goodbye. more money. Oh, man, it's been great chatting to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is like the closest you, like you really get to free therapy. Yeah, so I really it's quite enjoy nice. It's it. good yeah. to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Sweet. Just do it more. Goodbye. Thanks so much to Go Girl and Shame for taking a few minutes out of their crazy South by Southwest schedules to join us for this talk. Big shouts to Shame, who Amy Rose got to catch live down there. Big shouts to Goker, who I got to catch live. They are insane performers. And listeners, make sure you check out their debut record, Girl, and Shame's fantastic songs of praise. Up next, we have a South by Short for you, a 12-minute dance hall summit. This talk features one of Dancehall's biggest stars, Conscience, a.k.a. Garfield Spence, in conversation with one of its newest stars, Bad Gal, a.k.a. Alba Farello. Right. Conscience is an absolute star of the genre. This is a dude who came out of Jamaica, is now based in Miami, and when I brought Pitchfork Radio down there for Art Basel, I got to premiere a song from his fantastic new record, It Feel Good, featuring Rick Ross. The record is definitely feel-good music, but it also gets sleazy in all the right ways. Check out the track, Turn Me On. Gala, you are doing tower. Tell me if I love your love drama. Body hot so, volcano, lava. But your heart cool like ice water. You feel wine faster? Yeah. Turn up the tempo in there. Close to me like we are make love in there. Everything you say and everywhere you move and everything you do. Right? That's awesome. Now, the reason I wanted to pair Conscience with Bad Gal is because I have never heard of someone being called the queen of dance hall that comes from Barcelona, Spain. This is wild. I knew that Bad Gal was a huge Conscience fan, and I wanted to get these two together to talk about dance hall around the world. And in terms of genre, Bad Gal had some words for you during the intro, did she not? She did. This talk begins with her issuing my descriptor of her as a dancehall artist. It makes sense. She also incorporates pop, reggaeton, and her new LP, Worldwide Angel, is absolutely one of my favorite of the year. Now, I know I've said that a couple times in this podcast about different artists, but that's because I'm curating for you the best artists and the best records of the year, listeners. <laughs> for proof, check out this track from Worldwide Angel called Blink. Blink. 
now these two chop it up on all things dancehall. They get into how artists can joyfully use influences that come from outside their own culture. And within that, they acknowledge that there is a line at which point that becomes cultural appropriation. They get into the extreme visa difficulties for touring Jamaican artists. Right, and how that can actually lead to different variations on dancehall internationally. And powerfully, they dissect Bad Gal's reticence to call herself a dancehall artist, in large part because she didn't grow up on the island. It's super interesting stuff. Should we get into it? Let's do it. I think you, you said I am a dancehall artist, but I don't feel at all like that because I didn't grow up in Kingston or in Jamaica. I grew up in Barcelona and I'm from Spain where we have like a lot of reggaeton culture and a lot of Latin music culture. So sometimes I feel like I don't know which kind of artist I am, but I know it's a weird mix between all the music styles that I love and that I've been listening since I was a kid, so. I think, I think that's what's important though. It doesn't really matter what umbrella you fall under. It feels good, it feels good. Oh, a lot of people is telling me like, hey, you're a dancehall queen. And I'm like, stop, I'm not a dancehall queen. Check what that means, what that means, and then tell me. Yeah. And you actually grew up listening to these to these genres, so it doesn't. You're not being a crook. You're not mm. talking about something that you don't know. So you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Maybe I I would like to to know how do you feel about like people who's not from Jamaica being interested in that sound and like creating, inspiring. Inspired I really, I, by that I, sound. I don't care, and if I and if I were to care, I would be happy. You know, I mean, to, I would be happy that that the music has influenced people outside of just Jamaica. Jamaica is like three million people. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. and and if it was just, if the genre itself was 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 um only in Jamaica, then there would be no me because most exactly. of my work is done outside of Jamaica. So mm-hmm. it feels it, it feels good to me when I go. Um, to the different parts of the world and see people that are really into Jamaican culture and dancehall music and and mm-hmm. you know what I mean I, I'm not I'm, I, I never judge and I don't want to be judged so you know that's perfect because music is pure and, and and it's global like Jamaica is a small island in, in the Caribbean that influences the entire world yeah. you know what I mean people can grow up in in Barcelona Spain and grow up wherever I tour extensively around the world and everywhere I go in the world there's a huge pocket of people that really mm-hmm. love and really know about dancehall music and not just the music, the entire culture, you know what I mean? So I think for people to, to turn around and judge the artists and try to put the artists in a box, or try, you know what I mean? It's really unfair to the artists, like, mm-hmm. yeah. who are you to judge? Totally, and I think that it's starting to get a huge hype in Europe, like the dancehall, not just the music mm. and the artists and going to concerts and all that. It's also about the dancing. For yeah, example, yeah, with time. the dancing, it started like a business thing. Mm-hmm. And I think we should see more uh, how the steps they are created there in Jamaica, and Jamaica should be the ones that they are teaching us the steps. So I think it should be easier for them to travel and show Schengen what they visa. do. Yeah, the visa yeah. thing is like so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so you open up some borders and get the get the, the the actual Jamaicans in Europe doing the classes. And because I, I've toured Europe many times and I've seen the classes from people in in Spain, in Sweden, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's you hardly find actual Jamaicans in Europe yeah, doing right. this type of work. So I think that's a that's a good move. And I also like that usually these these boys and girls that they are creating all that, they are really, really young. I mean, I was in Jamaica and I think everybody was lying uh, me about their age. (laughs) They were younger, you know? Mm. And I think that's pretty cool because when young people is that active and they like to do things, I think they need to get what they deserve. And all these kids should be traveling to Europe and showing what they they do and also with artists. Yeah. (laughs) How many times have you been to Jamaica? Just one. I just came back like one month ago and I was, I didn't need much music. I was just trying to learn the dance moves. Oh, so, a dancer. Yeah, no, no, I'm trying. Okay. I'm not, but I'm trying to be someday. Now, how many shows do you have here in South by This is uh, your first time? I did uh, one yesterday and I have two today. And All I'm right. leaving tomorrow. Is this your first time here? It's my mm-hmm. first time here. It's your first time yeah, here too? Yeah. Me, mm-hmm. yeah, me too. 
Me too, me too. How is it? How you like the vibe so far? Yeah, I like it. But I feel like it's a different vibe what I'm used to because there's a lot of like kinds of music that I'm not used to listen, like mm -hmm. band music and all that. I'm, I've been listening more to urban music. So it's nice to see like really different kinds of music just at the same point. And I think it's just a good opportunity for like... Networking. Yeah, networking and business oh, yeah. and all that. But... I don't know, it's really different the vibe, like doing a gig here or doing a gig in Spain or in South America, the vibe is super different. Here you have a crowd right. that is like business people, they are watching what you're going to do and when I perform in Spain, it's like crazy. Excitement. I think yeah. for me, it's, it's exciting to be in different markets and, and introduce my music to people. Mm -hmm. Like I basically maxed out dancehall where dancehall is concerned. I've done everything mm -hmm. where dancehall is concerned. So to come here and to speak to people that have never seen me before, it's, it's a rush for me. I like it. It's like a start over. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that those were the, the purest days of myself creatively as an artist. You know what I mean? When nobody knows you and you're trying to get a break. Mm -hmm. So it brings me back like to the... Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. forget about money, you forget about whatever mm -hmm. your achievements were. And these are just people that don't, don't know who the fuck you are. And yeah. you got to like you gotta introduce like yourself to yourself. them. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I like it. So mm -hmm. I think that's the way you should approach it. Like, don't even look at the, the fact that it's all business people and it's all people that are, you know what I mean? This, you could be looking at this guy in a shorts and, and a striped shirt and he's the CEO of some big company. Just look at it as you're bringing you whatever you have and just mm -hmm. giving it to the people, just giving yeah, it to them. Sure, and I think you have to be able to do a great show wherever the crowd is, yeah. you know, like wherever yeah. the situation on the crowd is, maybe everybody's quiet, you still need to do. It's not that I feel that they don't connect, it's mm -hmm. I feel like they connect in a different way, you know, I'm used to my fans or like young people yeah. that comes to see me and they expect dancing, partying, having fun, yeah. like get drunk and all that. So. It's not that they are not feeling it, but it's a different type of crowd. They don't yeah. know. They're not your crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it, 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 it really it speaks to you as a performer as well to what see like, what, how far you're willing to go to get the, the effect that you want. Hmm. You know what I mean? And if, you've, if you feel like you're on stage and you've tried all, all the tricks that are in your bag and it's just not connecting, then maybe they need a girl with a guitar or something. Maybe yeah, dance yeah, is not, totally, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll return some money, like, I'll yeah, give maybe, the money back right now. If they see me, like, dancing and, like, singing on stage, getting crazy, they like it, but maybe if that girl with the guitar was singing, they were even more excited. So yeah. that's not, like, them thing, you know? So, I don't know, I'm getting used to all that. <laughs> but I want to say I'm a huge fan of you. Yeah, big up. <laughs> big up, big up, big up. And I don't know, what I like a lot about your music is that you do a lot of gal tunes. Gal tunes. Explain to the people what gal tune is. Oh, me, I have to explain it? Yeah. <laughs> Hope I'm not wrong. Let's uh, hear it. I think gal tunes are like songs that they talk about girls dancing and they make like women feel good yeah. of their body. And they are especially for the girl dancing thing, like yeah. not for the male steps. Not for the male steps. Guys, no steps for you. Not, Ladies, in, not in the girl songs, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. That, that's it. Yeah, so big up. I wasn't wrong. I big up everybody from Barcelona, Spain. You have a lot of listeners. fans there. Yeah. A lot of girl fans. Girl fans. <laughs> big up to all the girl fans. I like that. <laughs> I especially like these girls' fans. You know what I mean? Nice. I'm like, I couldn't believe when they told me that you and me were going to do this together and actually there was a part where you interviewed me so yeah this is crazy conscience so how, interviewed so, so me so let me interview so how did you get involved in in how did you get exposed to dancehall music uh, i think like 10 years ago or 11 i don't know there were like some albums that they got in the mainstream yeah so i could see that in the mtv and all that so i was like just eight or nine years old and Sean I, Paul yeah, and, and i showed the yeah, Sean yeah. Paul the trinity album i asked that for my birthday the kevin little songs mm -hmm, and all that mm -hmm. so then i i get it older and just with the internet did you understand the lyrics uh i don't understand everything in patwa but, but it felt good yeah yeah, yeah exactly but I, not, not when I was eight years old, I didn't understand anything. I was asking my father, 
Papa, what's ever blazing? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know, girl. So now I understand some words, but yeah. because I've been listening to a lot of songs. But years. when I went to Jamaica, a lot of times I got lost when I was talking mm -hmm. with people because Patwa, I'm not really, really used. It's different when you listen it in a song that when you are actually there in the reality talking you find with that, people. Do you find that when, you, when you're having a conversation with somebody from Jamaica, even if they're speaking English, you still can't yeah, understand? Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And all the time, like most of the people, they were speaking in English with me because they know that if they speak in Patois to never you, you yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you still like it's difficult because of the accent yeah. and all that. But it's a really nice language, so it's fine. <laughs> I love okay. the accent. Now hold on, speak some Spanish and then let me talk some Patois, and so they don't know what the <laughs> fuck we're saying. Speak some, say it. Go ahead. Whatever. Um, Conscience es el mejor artista porque hace muchas canciones para las chicas y nos gusta mucho y queremos que vuelva a Barcelona pronto para bailar todas con él. Mm, yeah, I understand, yeah. You understand? No. <laughs> Yo, big up all Spain Massive, all American Massive, I love dancehall music. I don't know Conscience, I represent from Kingston, Jamaica. Dancehall, up. Big love to Conscience, big love to Bad Gal, big love to Pitchfork Radio, where these talks premiered. You can check out all things Pitchfork Radio at pitchfork.com slash radio. We had an awesome time at South By this year. If you want to check out the previous episode we did between Andrew W.K. and Albert Hammond Jr. of The Strokes, that's available wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, and of course, talkhouse.com. Also on talkhouse.com, our new events page, where you can catch up on all the live events that Talkhouse is doing. You could have been at these talks. We invited people to come hang out. We want you to be at our next ones. Come check it out. Both of today's talks were recorded and co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. Big ups to Mark. Shouts. Until next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Amy Rose Spiegel. Peace. Bye.